0: Morning.
1: Good
0: morning. Good to see you all here again. For our last Zoom church service, we've waited a, a long time to get back into Trinity, and that happens next week. Um, it's also the end of Pastor David's sabbatical. And... Um, I'm just amazed how quickly the time has flown by. But I think I need before we start to just say a massive thank you to Phil, Elaine, Anne,
2: Valerie, Marion,
0: and Ayo who've helped Immensely with putting our Zoom services together. Sorry, I'm choking up. Um, Now, it's been a a journey. We've all learned something and we've made new friends, maybe people that we haven't known too well. And let's pray that these friendships will continue from, from a long, long time. And you know, we do look forward to seeing each other in person when we can. But we'll always be in your hearts, in your thoughts, even if we can't see you in church. And you can join us via the um, live streaming. So anyway, for today, i um, start with a prayer. God of all creation, you call all peoples of the earth into your kingdom. So grant that we, with the young and the old of all nations, may boldly confess that Jesus is our Lord, and to whom be all honor and praise now. And forevermore, Amen.
1: Amen. Well, good morning to you all. I add my welcome, and uh, also I'll take this opportunity as well to say a massive thank you to Pauline, uh, who has steered us through these uh, these Zoom services over the last few months. Uh, it's been really interesting to and challenging uh, to look at the lives of the apostles and how Jesus has turned them around, um, and we've perhaps seen elements of ourselves. In all of their journeys, uh, which we found incredibly challenging and encouraging as well, as Jesus pours out his love among us and sustains us day by day. So let's uh, focus our attention on Almighty God as we start our service this morning.
0: So let us bring our confession to God, Lord.
2: It's so easy to begin to make our excuses for our own mistakes. We think that because we haven't committed a great big crime, that you will ignore what we say and do.
0: We read in the newspapers and watch on the TV the horrendous things that people have done to one another and the awful way they have treated their fellow human beings.
2: But we're nothing like them and we try to find comfort in our own sins. But from you, Lord, no secrets are hidden. So we kneel at the foot of your cross, Asking for your forgiveness. Because you are the potter and we are the clay. We are the work of your hands. So mould us to be the people you want us to be. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour. Amen. And we are pardoned. If we truly repent of our sins, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. He also says, come, follow me. Thanks be to God. Amen.
0: Our reading comes from Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 9, and I'm reading verses 9 to 13, and it says this. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it isn't the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Thanks be to God for his word this morning. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, by the power of your Spirit dwelling within me, help me to deliver your message this morning. Help me as we deliver, uh, look deeper into the work of your twelve disciples into their characteristics. And I ask you Lord to bless all of those who will be preaching your word near and far this week. Amen. Now let me ask you a couple of questions bearing in mind that reading that we've just heard. If you were starting off your own business what qualities would you look for in prospective employees what what prospective what what what's special about them why do you want them and what things about their past would disqualify them from working for you or maybe even doing the job your job that you're doing right now You see, tax collectors were commonly known as publicans and they were local men employed by the uh, Roman government to collect taxes for them. And often they demanded unreasonable uh, payments and this is how the tax collectors gained such a bad reputation They were generally considered as traitors. So ask yourself this question. Why would Jesus want one of them to follow him? Well, one of the things that we've learnt is that the twelve chosen by Jesus were ordinary men. Most of them came from Galilee, and that was a mainly rural area with a few small towns and villages, and everyone in the area were either fishermen or farmers. Why, ask yourself, did Jesus choose ordinary men? Well, that's the way it's always been with God, and as we've found out so far during our sermon series on the 12 disciples. And so we shouldn't be surprised that he didn't like um, the religious leaders at that time. Think about it for a moment. These religious leaders, they were so spiritually blind that they didn't even notice when the Messiah did miracles right in front of their very eyes. They didn't see Jesus as the Messiah, but they saw him as an interloper, an intruder, a troublemaker. And even when he preached in public, they wanted to kill him. It's interesting, isn't it, that not one of these religious leaders ever denied the reality of the miracles. How could they, after all, They'd all been done in public, and they'd been witnessed by many, many people. I mean, they could live with the fact, couldn't they, that he could walk on water, and he could make food for multitudes of people. But what they couldn't put up with was being called sinners. And, to be honest, there was none more notorious as a sinner than Matthew. Now in Mark's Gospel, he is called by his Jewish name Levi, the son of Alphaeus. And in Luke's Gospel, Luke refers to him both as Levi and Matthew. So what do we know about Matthew? Well, this Matthew, this very same Matthew, is the same Matthew who is the author of the Gospel of Matthew. So you would think that since he is the Gospel writer, um, that we might have lots of information about him. But we don't. Or to be honest, I haven't found it. Because all I've found out... Is that he was a very humble man and he kept himself to himself and he was in the background throughout Jesus's ministry now like I've said before that the 12 disciples didn't go like an entourage with Jesus everywhere he went and he this Matthew only mentions himself twice Once in the reading that we've had this morning, where he records his calling, and the other time when uh, he lists all of the 12 disciples. Now, like I said a moment ago, he was a tax collector when Jesus called him. And it was the last credential that we might expect to see from a man who would become an apostle of Christ, a top leader in the church and a preacher and author of the gospel. Like I said tax collectors were the most in Israel. They were hated and vilified by all of Jewish society. They extorted money from the people of Israel to fill up the the Roman treasury and to obviously pad out their own pockets. It wasn't a reputable job, and it's a bit like loan sharks today. They often had thugs and villains who were working for them. In this reading, the way that Matthew records it, it's as though it came out of nowhere, almost like a big surprise. What did it say? Verse 9, it says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a tax collector's booth, and he said to him, Follow me. So he got up and he followed him. That's the only glimpse that we get of him from his own gospel. Now, look what happens next in verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and the disciples. Many tax collectors came and ate with him and the disciples. Luke's version is a little bit different because it says that Levi held a great big banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Imagine this, this was an enormous banquet that Matthew held in his own house in the honor of Jesus. And he'd invited people that he would have been normally associated with, the fellow tax collectors and various other kinds of rogues and scoundrels and misfits and outcasts. And he invited them to come and meet Jesus. Here he was bringing his friends to meet Jesus. But let's look at what happens next. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to the disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered, and he told them this, didn't he? He said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Now, when I studied this a little bit more, and I thought about these so-called friends, these so-called tax collectors and sinners, they were the only people who would have um, associated with someone like Matthew. Because he was as much a social outcast as they were. And he would not have been welcomed in any synagogue. He, these people were the riffraff of society. And according to his own account, Jesus and the disciples gladly came and ate with such people. Now the religious leaders, they were outraged and they wasted no time in voicing their opinions. Jesus' reply was telling them that whilst they kept their pious hypocritical veneer facade There was nothing that he could do for them. But listen to this, Matthew and people like him who were prepared to confess their sins, they could be forgiven and saved. Do you know, there's only three tax collectors mentioned in the gospels, and in each one of them, they found forgiveness. We've got Zacchaeus, We've got the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And, of course, we've got this story of Matthew. Luke 15 says this, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. All the people, even tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' word, acknowledged that God's way was right but the Pharisees and the experts of the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they hadn't been baptized by John. It must have been mind-blowing when Jesus chose Matthew, when he chose him out of the blue, knowing how hated his occupation amongst the Jews was and also that he couldn't even go and worship not only had he cut himself off from his own people but also he'd cut himself off from god so when jesus saw him at the tax booth matthew had no hesitation whatsoever in following jesus he got up he walked away from this cursed profession forever job done. However, I don't suppose it was long before someone else uh, filled his shoes and another money-grabbing person took over that job. Now, I started off this sermon, didn't I, by asking you a couple of questions. If you were starting your own business, what qualities would you look for in a prospective employee? And what things about their past would disqualify them from working for you or doing your job? Let's look again at that second question. What things about their past would disqualify them from working for you or doing your job? What was it that caused Matthew to drop everything at once like that? Why did he follow Jesus not knowing what the future held? Deep down he knew that he was a Jew who knew the Old Testament and he had this spiritual hunger. 99 times in his gospel, in Matthew's gospel, he refers to the Old Testament more than any other gospel writer. And since he was barred from the, uh, the synagogue, he must have done an awful lot of studying on his own because he believed in the one true God and he must have known about Jesus whilst he was sitting in his tax booth at the crossroads. He'd heard about the miracles, the healing, the banishing of demons, so when Jesus called him to follow he didn't hesitate because he had enough faith. And this is virtually all we know about Matthew. First, that he knew the Old Testament. Secondly, that he believed in God. Third, that he looked for the Messiah. And fourth, that he dropped everything immediately. He met Jesus. And fifth, the last thing, was that he embraced the outcasts of the world and introduced them to Jesus. He was a quiet man, a man of humility. He loved the outcasts and he gave no place to religious hypocrisy. He became a man of great faith and he stands as a reminder like I've said so many times during this sermon season, series that the Lord chooses the most unlikeliest people in this world and he gives them new hearts and uses them in remarkable ways. I'm going to end with a little a reflection from Nick Fawcett's book of daily reflections and this one is called A Welcome For All and it's the meditation of Matthew and it says this time for me incredible I know but it's true he saw beneath the surface beneath the greed, the selfishness and the corruption and uncovered a person I didn't even know existed. I groaned when I saw him coming. I won't pretend otherwise. Another self-righteous prig coming to tell me my own, my business. Well, that's what I imagined. And I'd had my fair share of those. Well, nobody likes tax collectors, do they? But I'd always given as good as I got. I mean, it's not easy when you've got a wife and kids to feed. We all have to earn a living somehow. And since the only people who were really ready to give me a chance were the Romans, what could I do? Or did any of them really imagine I enjoyed working for them? Anyway, someone had to do it, so why not me? I suppose Jesus understood that, that he didn't criticise or condemn. None of the two-faced hypocrisy of the pharaohs or the usual accusing glances and obscene gestures. Just those two lovely words. Follow me. You could have knocked me over. It was the last thing I expected. He took the wind right out of my sails. But more than that, I was excited, moved, fascinated because he had time for me. He hadn't written me off, seen only the outside. He accepted me as I was, with all my sin sticking into into me. And the funny thing is, once he did that, it was me who pointed out my faults to him. felt ashamed painfully aware of all that was wrong longing to be different yet at the same time set free forgiven offered a new beginning I followed of course what else could I do would you refuse a man like that well perhaps you would but I'm glad I didn't because despite everything since the times I've let him down the occasions I've misunderstood the mistakes I made the faults I still have he goes on accepting me day after day not for what I might become but for what I am Let's pray Lord Jesus Thank you for accepting me, not for what I can be, but for what I am, for seeing the best in me rather than the worst. Forgive me that all too often in my dealings with others I see only the surface, judging them according to instant impressions and condemning those who do not fit in with my view of the world. Help me to have time for others as you have time for me.
2: Amen.
1: So I wonder what things we, as we reflect on all that Pauline has shared, wonder what things we think disqualify us from serving God. Praise God that he accepts us just as we are. He knows all about us, our fears, our failings.
0: Tomorrow, uh Monday, bank holiday Monday, uh, we're going to be holding evening prayers in the church in sanctuary at Trinity. So um, we're going to be doing it, or Pastor David and Inica will be leading the prayers uh from eight o'clock until nine o'clock um every evening, Monday to Saturday. So if you can come along, you're very welcome to. But two warnings, if you're not feeling well, please don't come. Uh, you know, because we, we've gone to a lot of trouble to to make sure everyone is kept safe. And if you can't come uh, for any other reason, maybe just spend some time at home uh, to spend a small small time in reflection and prayer uh, about, you know, the vision that we've been given and, you know, where God is leading us. Let's bring our prayers now of intercession. As we pray.
2: Lord of all creation, Send us out in your name.
0: We pray for those who demonstrate the love of God in the world and for those who go out each day, joining their energies with God, who is already at work. This morning, I'm going to read a prayer from the Christian Alliance. This is a prayer for Afghanistan, and it says this. Father, today we pray for Afghanistan. In recent days, we have witnessed the withdrawal of Western forces and the parliamentary overthrow of the country's government by the Taliban. We are deeply concerned about this unfolding situation and the consequences for the women, men, and children living there.
2: Lord, you hear the cries, you see the tears of those you formed in your own image. We know
0: that politics, diplomacy, and international laws have an important part to play in creating and maintaining peace and stability.
2: We pray for wisdom, for international leaders, for all of those involved at this moment, because however we see uh, the limits of such endeavours, we know that human efforts alone
0: cannot compel love of neighbour, let alone enemy, but rather this is transformational territory of your word and spirit.
2: And so we ask you to move your hand to change the hearts and minds of the, oppression, of the oppressors. Withhold evil. Cultivate good, banish darkness, and bring forth light. We declare your nearness over those who have been abused and displaced, violated, and oppressed. Open your ears and your eyes to your presence. We pray for your church there.
0: Comfort and strengthen, protect and bless our brothers and our sisters as persecution draws close.
2: Lord, draw closer still. Teach us how to respond as we place our hope in you and your good and just plans. your creation.
0: Lord have mercy and hear our prayer. Amen. That was a prayer by the Christian
2: Evangelical Alliance. And so Lord there are so many people
0: in the world who are living in oppression, poverty and hunger. So let us who have so much give
2: help to those in need. We pray for all of those who are involved in mission and evangelism, for those who reach out to their local communities with the love of God. We pray for Trinity Church and for Union Church Totteridge as we discern the call of discipleship. We give thanks for David and Inika and Ronnie and Karen. And we pray for all who witness the love of God in the life of the church. May their words and deeds and their service be examples of compassion, hope and understanding. we remember those who work diligently in the background, for those who care for us pastorally, those who look after our finances and church buildings and administration. Bless the leadership team as they support our minister. And we pray for ourselves and for those we know who are struggling at this time. Lord, may the presence of Christ give them hope and the spirit of Christ strengthen them. And we ask these prayers in the name of Christ, the one who is Lord of all, amen.
1: Amen. Thank you Pauline. So as we bring our service today to a close and indeed as we um, see to its end our, our series of Zoom services let's uh, just remind ourselves that um, we're not just hearers of the word but doers of the word and so um, Lord, we just ask you to fill us again afresh with your Holy Spirit that we may live and work to your praise and glory. Amen.
0: So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you
2: and be gracious to you. May the Lord look on you with
0: kindness and give you peace. So go now in peace and rejoice in God's love and reflect his glory forevermore. Amen.